Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of this program, 877-973-7425. I would like to just pause for a moment and welcome the folks at WMAY. That is my newest affiliate. They started yesterday. And I was so busy with a bunch of other stuff, I didn't say hi. It was Pi Day. I was busy. I'm sorry. Uh, but welcome. Uh, I hope you like hanging out with us here uh, on the Eric Erickson Show. Nationwide, uh, 21 affiliates and our latest Springfield, Illinois. And I can't wait to get up there and meet you guys. The phone number, if you'd like to be a part of the program, 877 877- 973-7425. Remember my name is spelled E-R-I-C-K, E-R-I-C-K and E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. And you can always go to ericericksonshow.com. We have a 24-7 live stream. You can get what I'm writing. Uh, read me. You can get all the recipes there. There are links for all of that at the top of the site. And you can always follow me online everywhere at E.W. Erickson, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, you name it, E.W. Erickson. Now, uh, we've got a lot of news we got to cover, but I got to do something to set the stage for this program today. I need to play you a piece of music. I need to set the stage. Uh, this is very selfish of me. I realize when I'm news talk and this, well, this is news for me. It's not for you guys, but just show me a little grace, please. Bear with me here. There's a reason I'm playing this music. This is the Light Calvary by Franz von Suppe. You may recognize that music. It's somewhat famous. It's been a lot of movies and stuff. Um, The Light Calvary Overture, it's one of his best-known works. Uh, It was used as the soundtrack of a film of the same name in 1935. Uh, This moment today here in in 1922, my flagship station, WSB Radio, went on air. March 15th, 1922, they flipped the switch, and that, the Light Calvary Overture, was the very first thing that was broadcast. Now, 100 years later, they're stuck with me. Voice, a face for radio, a voice for print, and here I am. <laughs> uh, I fell into this by accident. Now, for those of you in Springfield, uh, th- actually, you know, those of you who are new to this altogether, I might as well tell you the story. You'll, you'll, It'll come up every once in a while. But I fell into this totally by accident. I didn't intend to do radio. I was actually on CNN at the time. I moved to Fox for five years. I was at CNN for three years before moving to Fox. And while I was there, a local guy at WMAC in Macon, Georgia, got arrested. He crack house, they said. He said he was making a music label or some such. But anyway, I was on CNN. They called and said, hey, you're on TV. Do you want to try your hand at radio? I was like, sure, what the heck? Three hours, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. for a day. Turned into two days, turned into a week, turned into three months. I got paid in an expired gift certificate from Outback Steakhouse. And I know it was expired because I took my wife to dinner and had to buy. 
uh, the radio company Cumulus. I, I'm I'm aggravated because that's where I got my start, really, technically, for free, not a real job. But they had this program on for a while, and and then they they moved on to their own internal programming and. I keep trying to sweet talk them into putting me back on and making so people stop running into me in the grocery store saying, where are you? Why can't we get you on the radio anymore? <laughs> but maybe one day. I have aspirations for this program to become very big and, and to grow. Um, it's one of my deep frustrations is uh, we were out of the gate after everyone else, after the the sad event of Russia's passing. And so everybody got locked into contracts. And I'm hoping I can persuade some more stations to put me on at some point. Nonetheless, 100 years ago today, WSB started. Now, what I find very cool and fascinating, and just bear with me, I, I will move on, but my Aunt Leela, my dad's oldest sister, she was she was grown up before my dad was born. I went over to see her a few years before she passed away, and started at WSB. I started in 2011. This may be 2013 or so. Went over to see her, and... She asked me what I was doing now, and if I was still practicing law, I said, no, I was on radio, TV. By then, I was over at Fox, and she asked me what radio station she was on radio when she was growing up. I thought, that's great. I said, well, I'm on WSB in Atlanta, and her face just beamed. She said, that was my first job. In the 1920s, my grandparents owned a boarding house on Peachtree Street. It's now, I'm sure, a high-rise. But my Aunt Leela would, before my dad was born, would walk down to the Biltmore building where WSB's original towers are still on top of the building. And she would perform music on Saturday for people going to synagogue or temple. And on Sunday, she would sing church hymns for people going to church. Uh, so I am the second member of my family to work at WSB, now my flagship station. All of you listening wherever you are in the nation, I'm actually at WSB today. Normally, I do this out of my house, to be honest. I live about an hour and a half south of the city. It's very convenient. You never know. And with my wife's uh, health situation with cancer and all, if, if she's worn out or something, I've, I'm here to be able to take care of the kids and stuff and can get them up and go to school if necessary. Or now I've got a 16-year-old driving. We'll get into that at some point, but my goodness. So anyway, second Erickson uh, in the 100 years of WSB, <laughs> maybe the last the way this show's going today. <laughs> Nonetheless. All right. I will move on because we have a lot of stuff we got we to gotta talk about. But welcome again to those of you in Springfield, Illinois. Happy birthday, 100 years, happy anniversary, WSB Radio in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, just one last thing, Greg Mosheri, if you're listening to me right now. When I first got started at WSB, I am from the South. I grew up in Dubai. I am half Swedish, and I'm from South Louisiana. Needless to say, I have a very unique accent. And I would say, uh, you're listening to WSB. And um, I finally one time got a note from management that uh, Greg Mosheri, who was the uh, for a long time the, the program director there and then an outside talk consultant, apparently at some point commented, I was not actually saying the letter W. W is not W. I'd gone through years of George W. Bush, and, and suddenly I'm told, I'm on W. SB. <laughs> it's supposed to WSB. Now I can say WSB and what can they do? Fire me? No, they can't. I've seen my ratings. We will move on now that I've driven them into the ground. Ukraine, we've got to talk about it. Um, the uh, Kharkiv has held, the Ukrainians have been able to beat back and advance. 
and the Russians have not been able to surround Kiev. Interestingly enough, there are reports they're asking the Chinese for help. This is actually somewhat telling to me because for years we have presumed the Russians have the second greatest military on the earth behind the Grand Army of the Republic of the United States of America. And they're having to ask the Chinese to send MREs, that's food, to the troops. They're also trying to get the Chinese to hand over surface to air missiles. The Russian military is not what we thought it was. You should note, however, that it is early in this war still. We're only a couple of weeks in. And pauses and supply chain issues at the beginning are still something that's common, and we should expect them. I venture to say, in my honest assessment of the situation, I'm willing to bet the Russians are doing better than most people believe. The Ukrainians have gotten very good at social media, and they are pushing out a very pro-Ukraine narrative, and don't get me wrong, I want them to win. I believe everyone should be opposed to Putin. The Russians, you're not on the winning team if you're with the Russians generally in history. Uh, they're the, the Russian people are wonderful, lovely human beings. The Russian government, bad. You shouldn't be rooting for Vladimir Putin. And if you are, you got issues. The Ukrainians didn't ask for this invasion. Now, interestingly enough, I was talking to someone from Ukraine yesterday afternoon. And he gave me a new angle on this that it, it makes sense to me. He was saying, if you really want to understand uh, Vladimir Putin's real insistence on going into Ukraine and bringing it back into the Russian fold, you have to understand that Ukrainian life expectancy has gone up, the Ukrainian birth rate has gone up, and the Ukrainian average income and GDP have gone up. In Russia, all of those factors are stagnant or in decline. And many Russians see Ukrainians as their brothers. In fact, there's a lot of interrelation between Ukraine and, and Russia from when Ukraine was in the Soviet Union. There are a lot of families spread out between Russia and Ukraine that are united. And for all of these Russians to see their families in Ukraine getting richer, living longer, and getting healthier, while in Russia that's not the case, it calls into question Vladimir Putin's regime. He's got to bring them back into Russia to drag them down and make them equal. And what started out as probably just an invasion to build a land bridge to Crimea has turned into something greater. And there's probably no way to scale this back. But a lot of it has to do with also uh, Ukrainians going to Russia and suddenly they got more money than the Russians. And the Russians are like, what the heck happened to you people? But they're not able to do the advance that they, they had thought they could do. They thought they could win this earlier. They thought they could do a blitz in, and it didn't work. They got bogged down in the mud. Their equipment has broken down. Now they're trying to get MREs from China. Things are clearly not going according to plan with the Russians. And I don't know that they know if there's a way out of it. Now, there is some foreign policy discussion we need to have here as well. Uh, because the Chinese, the Saudis, the Iranians, the Venezuelans, the Turks, uh, they're all involved in greater conversations, including India. India, there's a joke there that I can't tell on radio. India, well, the Indians are looking at actually helping bail out Putin financially, 
which raises some more questions. I want to explore those and some other stuff when we come back. The phone number is well, if you want to call in, 877-973-7425. Nationwide, you're listening to Eric Erickson. Hello, it is Eric Erickson. Welcome back. The phone number 877-973-7425 is the voice. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the bowl and branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. (laughs) Gotta say that word right. But... They've got a little weight to them, so so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress, and they're so light, it's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're. I mean, it's just. And then they bunch up the the man the satiny soft feel of the Bull and Branch sheets. It makes a real big difference. Listen. You've got so many options out there right now. You could go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bowl and Branch, you get high-quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable, and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bolin Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my Bolin Branch sheets have lasted a long time and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BolinBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's BolinBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Always says... Um, can look, I want to, I, I really want to get into the international stuff. The segment here is somewhat elusive to be able to get into that. Uh, I want to stretch my legs on it. So just, just, um, we'll get to it. I want to say a couple of things. First of all, uh, as I've mentioned, I'm broadcasting from Atlanta and it's, it's a hard day here. It, it's a very, very hard day. Freddie Freeman. Ah, it looks like we're going to lose him. And, you know, financially, I kind of get you could get uh, a number of top caliber, high caliber players for Freddie's money. You know, when Chipper Jones was with the Braves, he restructured his deal to reduce his income to help the Braves pick up some players. That's one of the reasons he's such a legend. Uh, Freddie wanted a lot of money, and I think they should pay him every penny uh, given what he wanted. But I also get um, if you see some real potential out there and I'm, I'm going to trust the team. But gosh, I wanted Freddie Freeman to retire brave as brave. Um, the other thing I want to say, there is this nonsense going around from The View and elsewhere that people like Tucker Carlson, Tulsi Gabbard, and others, they are uh, being stooges for Vladimir Putin and they're treasonous. Mitt Romney said Tulsi Gabbard was treasonous for echoing some uh, stories about the biolabs. It is possible. Now, I I realize in this day and age, it's kind of a crazy thing to say. But it is possible, I think, possible to disagree with someone without thinking they need to go to prison for stating their views. 
or to think they've committed treason. I I know that's kind of wild. I I know it's kind of crazy to think that in these days. Uh, these days, it's either you agree or you die, but that's not the way this is going to work. Now, uh, as I have said on the Tucker Carlson situation, I think he's just become a militant isolationist. He got burned in the uh, Iraq war days, being very interventionist. Now he doesn't trust anybody. Uh, it, it's from trust but verify to distrust but verify. And a lot of the stuff is hard to verify when you don't trust anybody. That's what he's dealing with right there. So I get it with him. I just think he's, I don't think he's, it is notable. There is a report circulating that uh, the Russian media is playing up Tucker's skeptical, skeptical comments about Ukraine. But look, the guy's just an isolationist. He went from interventionist to isolationist. I think he overcorrected too much, but I get it. I'm not going to attack him. I just disagree with him on some of the stuff. This this militant herd mentality, this very much reminds me of the way people were with COVID. If you express any concern whatsoever. Now, listen, there were nutty conspiracy theorists that even I was calling them out, but there were reasonable, plausible concerns the whole way through, particularly with the way we deal with kids. All of the data always suggested we did not need to take an aggressive approach with kids, including they didn't need to be vaccinated. And yet, if you dared say that for the longest time, you'd even get banned on social media. Or look at the way the elite act on the transgenderism issue. It's a social contagion of rich white people. Uh, hardly anyone outside the Western world and hardly anyone inside the Western world who is non-white deals with the issue of transgenderism. But you go to a, a, a woke private school and all the kids become transgender. It, it, it is a social contagion. It spreads through the minds of people. And then if you don't agree, you got to be silenced. I mean, they want to ban J.K. Rowling. The best-selling author. I mean, she sold more books than anyone other than God himself. They want to ban her. It's a social contagion. And this impulse to ban, to censor, to silence, to punish, uh, to get out of the town square those views we disagree with, I think is abominable. And as much as I actually do disagree with Tucker Carlson on the issue of Ukraine and Russia, I at least try to understand where he's coming from. And it, my, my disagreement with him is just a disagreement. I don't think he's treasonous. I don't think he's bad. In fact, he's a very nice guy. I, I know I don't know him well. We've been to breakfast once and we've interacted a, a number of times over the years. He's just a very nice guy whose views I happen to disagree with on this particular issue. I don't think that means also, though, that we need to ourselves go to war on behalf of Ukraine. I don't think we need a no-fly zone. I don't think we need troops. I don't think we need NATO. Sure, send them weapons, send them defensive weapons, help them protect themselves and push out the Russians. But at the same time, we don't need to go to war. We don't need to be on the battlefield. If American soldiers are on leave and they decide they want to go over there and practice killing Russians, God bless them. Go for it. Let them do it. But we officially, it doesn't need to be our policy. You know, it is possible to disagree with Tucker and Tulsi Gabbard and others and not think they're traitors. And it is possible to want to help Ukraine without also thinking we need to commit military troops. It's possible. It's not a binary issue. And so many people want to make it a binary issue. And I think that's what we need to resist the temptation to do. It's a complex issue during very complex times. And when we come back, 
I want to talk about how much more complex the Biden administration is making all of this than they need to make it. That in and of itself is a story worth talking about. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show, all over the place. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, you can always get me on social media, E.W. Erickson. Remember, this is kind of important. If you text the word show, S-H-O-W, if you text the word show to 33777, you can get the podcast links for Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher, and you can also get the um, link to my daily Substack. Uh, it's the daily newsletter I send out. In fact, if you're a paid subscriber, you literally will get a copy of every link that I use during the show. Uh, so you can see the articles for yourself that I'm using. And also at the bottom, you will get a link to the 24-7 live stream. If you can't catch us live, you don't want to subscribe to the podcast, you can click that link and hear me 24 hours a day. The show just repeats every three hours until noon when the next day's show comes on and then it refreshes. It's a miracle piece of technology. So text show to the number 33777. The world is a complicated place, but it's also fairly simple. You know, as, as an aside, uh, and I, at some point I want to talk about this, maybe in the next hour, who knows? There are people who have decided that we live in some sort of grand simulation. I think it's an atheist way of trying to get around having to grapple with the issue of God. They would rather believe we are in a computer program programmed by somebody than have to actually confront the issue of God. And when you believe that we're just in a computer program, it kind of simplifies everything for you. Oh, it's just a computer algorithm. We're, we're, we, we know computer algorithms to some degree. I think that's kind of a foolish way to look at it. Uh, my worldview is totally that there is a, a divine creator and he explains what comes before the Big Bang where science tells you, oh, don't even worry about that. But, but, there are people who try to simplify things too much. The world is a complicated place, but there are people who try to simplify it too much, good versus evil and all that. Good versus evil is real. I'm not dismissing it, uh, but uh, the world is somewhat more nuanced usually. And oftentimes, evil looks like it's the good guy even when it's not. And then there's this. Some people try to overcomplicate the world. The world is complex. You're dealing with people. You're dealing with nations. You're dealing with long-held animosities. I try to keep telling people all the time. Uh, we had uh, Tim called yesterday, caller, called in and says he really thinks that China really wants to overtake Russia, maybe displace the Russians, put in their own leaders. You have to understand some historic context here in that the Russians and the Chinese up until the 1970s had border wars against each other. They've got an animosity that goes back a thousand years. This is one of the things that I think is probably most difficult for Americans to understand about foreign relations. Now, I, I, I want to say something here, uh, particularly if you're a new listener. I'm not an expert in foreign affairs. I'm not. Now, my specialty, I got a degree in political science, and my specialty was in international affairs. And I got a double major, history, political science. My political science core was in um, international affairs. I have a law degree. 
But more importantly, I grew up in the Middle East. I grew up in the 1980s in the Middle East. I have still been to more countries than states. I am well-traveled. I have read a lot. I have this background in college, my law degree, uh, and I know and talk to a ton of people. From years of politics, years of living and traveling around the world. So in areas where I don't feel proficient, I know how to pick up the phone and talk to people. And I think for Americans, this is something that we sometimes forget. We are a young country. We are, what, less than 250 years old? How old is Italy? Italy, the nation, quite young. Italy and Rome, the people, a couple thousand years old. Iraq, China, Russia have histories well before we existed. The Russian Empire was a thing before the United States of America was a thing. And the Russians, going back a thousand years, have a history with the Mongols. The Mongols invaded and took over and uh, raped, pillaged, burned down, rebuilt, intermarried, and then were finally driven away and, and really to some degree just collapsed. And the Russians remember these things. I mean, one of the if you listen to Putin, one of his old justifications for invading Ukraine was that, I mean, the, the, the original people were the Kiev Rus or the Kiev Rus. Kiev, Kiev is the capital of Ukraine. Rus is where the Russians come from. They were a people. They started in Kiev and they migrated north and they eventually found Moscow. The, the Mongols came in. They burned all these cities down. They fled back down to Kiev uh, and, and further into Western Europe. Eventually, the Mongols were defeated and driven out and, and they went back and they rebuilt. Uh, the, the, the Russian Orthodox Church actually was headquartered for the longest time in Kiev. Kiev was the center of Eastern Orthodoxy outside of Greece and uh, Byzantium formerly Constantinople, and it, it moved in, and, and Moscow set up shop. The uh, czars moved there, and St. Petersburg, and the Roman uh, or the Russian Orthodox Church set up camp there, and they became the dominant force. But for the longest time, it was uh, Kiev, and a lot of these are the same people. You've got to remember the history. The histories, accurate telling of histories tell you a lot. It tells me, for example, that while no alliance is permanent and no enemy is permanent. The alliance between Russia and China will long-term, if they pull it off, ultimately come to tensions because they do still have territorial disputes and they do still have competing ambitions. And the Russians never want to be someone else's vassal state. And the Chinese don't want to be anyone's vassal state. Now they think they're globally dominant. The Russians, ultimately, they're not going to stand for being second fiddle to China, particularly given their thousand years of history. But globally, it seems the Biden administration is complicating things even further. The Saudis have invited China for a visit. The Saudis have invited China for a visit. The Saudis returned Vladimir Putin's phone call. They wouldn't return Joe Biden's phone call. The UAE will return Putin's phone call and not the Americans. And the UAE is flirting with China. And all of this because the United States is complicating things more than they need to. In the Middle East, Iran is the dominant force. The other Middle Eastern countries combined make a dominant force, particularly when you add Israel and its nuclear arsenal. 
Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Oman, Jordan, Egypt, and Israel all have beefs with Iran. The United States is trying to cut a deal with Iran, and Joe Biden refuses to even take a phone call from Mohammed bin uh, Salman, the designated head of Saudi Arabia, because according to the Biden administration, he is not, the, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia is not Joe Biden's equal. Even though the king of Saudi Arabia has put him in charge, he's deeply insulted, and he's willing to build alliances elsewhere. Now, question. Given the choice of oil from Venezuela, oil from Saudi Arabia, or oil from Iran, which would you prefer to do business with? I got to tell you, as someone who lived in that part of the world, Saudi Arabia, any day of the week, and Abu Dhabi in the UAE, uh, you get your oil from them, not from a terrorist regime that wants to wipe out your allies. Unfortunately for all of us in dealing with this nonsense, the Biden administration is flirting with Iran and Venezuela and insulting Saudi Arabia in the process. You know, the Turks as well have problems. The Turks are not uh, great friends of ours anymore. Uh, Erdogan, the president of Turkey, is more of an Islamist than we prefer, but he doesn't like the Russians, and he does want to keep Turkey as part of NATO. And we need Turkey because Turkey controls the Bosporus, which gets you in and out of the Black Sea, a key trading route for Russia. We need some controls there. And the Biden administration just doesn't seem to want to maintain alliances. In fact, the Biden administration, if anything, wants to try to infiltrate Russian friends and woo them. We, the United States of America, cannot woo Venezuela nor can we woo Iran, at least with the present idealists who also hold up human rights in some grand thing, which actually we should be doing. But the problem is, because of human rights, we're turning our back to Saudi Arabia. Why would we do this? This complicates relationships unnecessarily. And this gets me into where things can actually be somewhat simple in the world. We have alliances, Israel, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt, the United Arab Emirates, Oman, Bahrain, those are our friends. Our adversaries are Venezuela, Cuba, Iran, China, Russia. They have a sphere of influence. Meanwhile, there is a massive country, the second most populous country on the earth. I think the, the fifth or so, the sixth largest landmass on the planet. It's called India. You might have heard of it. They're actually making kissy face with Putin. Why? Because the Biden administration has turned their back to India as well. The Trump administration spent a lot of time trying to woo India. And because the Trump administration was trying to do it, the Biden administration's turning their back on it. There's a level of pettiness in this. There's a level of pettiness in this where they think if, if Trump did something, they should do the exact opposite. The problem is that many of the foreign policy objectives Trump wanted, though it was overshadowed by the nonsense with North Korea and the like, a lot of them were level-headed ideas put forward by grown-ups in the Trump administration that Donald Trump went along with because he didn't know any better. So it was a, a large foreign policy apparatus that built up our ties to Saudi Arabia, that navigated the Khashoggi killing satisfactory, whether you like it or not. The media hates it. That has a lot to do with this. The media, you know, uh, Khashoggi, the reporter for the Washington Post who was murdered, they blamed the Saudis for it. It looks like they did something with it. 
But the media is furious about it, and the Biden administration is furious because the media is furious, and yet we need Saudi Arabia to be an ally with Israel. And the Biden administration is upending all of this because Donald Trump said it was good. They are complicating the world in ways they don't need to when we have traditional alliances on which they could rely. Howdy, howdy. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Now, I got to, I, 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 look, so I, I care about the Middle East situation in large part because I grew up there, but watching the Biden administration screw up the easy stuff makes this so much more difficult. It, it's just mind-numbing to watch them do this. The fact that Saudi Arabia is wooing China and won't return Joe Biden's phone calls, this sort of stuff isn't hard. In any event, I got other stuff to talk about. You know, uh, down in Miami yesterday, I don't know if y'all saw this, but a man was in a Starbucks, uh, describes himself as a homeless model. Only in Miami are the models homeless. Uh, and he was, um, not to use the M word, he was self-pleasuring himself. They told him to cut it out, and he wouldn't. They asked him to, to, to like... Um, go somewhere else and he wouldn't and they finally called the cops and and when the cops got there well i mean he thought he was at an audition to be a legal analyst on cnn <laughs> i'm sorry i can't help myself um i i still can't believe um that they they kept tugging tubing on the airwaves at cnn now this guy was arrested um homeless model who's got mental issues who does it these days yeah all right, we got other stuff we got to talk about. Uh, I, I, I won't belabor the Freddie Freeman point with you guys, I promise. What I do want to do, however, is note this story in the Wall Street Journal. U.S. electricity customers are facing some of the largest bills in years because of volatile natural gas prices, which are being driven higher by winter demand and a global supply shortage made worse by Russia's war against Ukraine. And by the way, uh, the United States uh, government under Biden looks like they're about to get rid of export uh, natural gas export facilities along the Gulf Coast because environmentalist groups are demanding it. Now, keep in mind, yesterday I covered the story. Environmentalist groups of the West are getting money from the Putin regime to push this sort of nonsense. And the Biden regime, Biden administration appears to be falling for it. My parents live in a small house in rural Louisiana. They had a $1,200 uh, utility bill this past month. They have uh, gas space heaters in their house. They don't have uh, central heating and air. $1,200 for their little house, which is just mind-numbing to me. Winter power bills have increased by 20% or more uh, compared to the year before, in addition to, to higher home heating bills in general. And then the Russian sanctions appear to make it uh, go up. It will have an impact on our customers' bills, said Nick Atkins, chief executive of American Electric Power Company, a utility company that serves more than 5 million customers in 11 states. Y'all, those are really high bills. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to work on something uh, for you guys to be able to help if you can, but I know a lot of you guys are struggling as well. I was actually talking to a guy the other day. He does finance for a local church here and said that they are seeing, like after COVID, uh, people's tithes and donations to churches kind of went down and then they started rebounding and now they're having an impact 
because of the the uh, situation right now with gas and prices and inflation. Everybody's costs are going up and people are having to cut back and people are cutting back. Uh, but he says he's very fortunate that the believers, Christians, tend to be still more charitable than most in this country and tend to give greater donations at greater rate than any other class of people. And they're still very charitable, but he is starting to see an impact of it. And people are starting to have to cut back elsewhere to be able to give continue to give. And the cutting back is going to cause economic problems. We're already starting to see reports of people cutting back and then having a direct impact on the economy, which is what you would expect for stuff like that to happen. These are not good times, and the Biden administration policies just continue to make this sort of stuff worse. And they don't even seem to understand that. They continue to defend it as if it's some sort of big deal. Or defend it as if it's a justification and not that big of a deal. You know, speaking of, uh, at Facebook, Meta now, Meta is now the parent company of Facebook, uh, their employees are upset because they're no longer going to pay for their laundry. As one of their, their hybrid systems for workers coming in and out of the office working from home, they were having a company go to people's houses, pick up their dirty clothes, and do their laundry for them so the employees didn't have to want, do that. And as they're coming back to the office, they're cutting out the laundry. I'm not making that up. I it's It was a perk. And now employees are furious that they're not they're going to have to do their own laundry again. These are the people who want to regulate your speech on the internet, and these are the people who want to set the moral standards and relatable boundaries for people across the internet, and they're upset because they have to do their own laundry. That's ridiculous. Uh, From what I am told, by the way, there are a couple of press reports out there I've seen this in. The Facebook higher-ups are just furious with the entitled mentality of their Gen Z employees. And by the way, this is some of the some of them are millennial, but really it's Gen Z at this point beginning to enter into the workforce. And the Facebook employers are, are kind of like, my gosh, what have we done hiring these people who think we're here to pay for their laundry? Um, how do these people cope? You know, if there was ever a real war, you kind of get the sense of who would and wouldn't survive. And I don't know that any of these people would survive. If they're complaining that, that they got to pay for their own laundry, I'm I'm pretty sure that these people would have a hard time. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building, you want to build a building, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.